Wow, that was like the best and creepiest introduction <laughs> I've ever done. That's how I am. I like to totally creep them out. Okay with it. I like. Oh, I, I'm completely okay with it. It's, right. I'm so excited to to be on. Thank you so much for having me. I've I've been a fan of Cinema After Dark for a really mm. a really long while. So it's mm. really cool to actually be on. No good stuff. Yeah. My yeah. God. We've got a lot to talk about, and I definitely promise to creep you out a bit more here as we. Uh... <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I am ready. <laughs> I love that. Attitude is everything. And so realizing that I was never alone and realizing that you really can achieve anything. Everybody deserves everything. Yeah. Not one person deserves more things than the other person deserves, in my opinion. You know, not to get so vast, but in this specific thing that I'm talking about, everybody has the ability to be their own superhero in their own story. Oh, I love that. You know, God. and I am living proof of being able to pick myself up time and time again and say to myself, listen, this is just a different phase that you're going through. It doesn't mean it's negative or positive. It's another part of this adventure. So it's going to be okay. And really being able to know that myself, aside from being able to call on, you know, great family and people in my life is really a huge part of, of why I love doing what I do. Good evening, folks, and welcome to the Cinema After Dark podcast. My name is Max Cole, and I'm the host and producer of this podcast, and I am broadcasting from the entertainment capital of the world, sunny Los Angeles, California. The sun has set, and the moonlight is now upon us. I want to thank you so much for joining me on this podcast tonight. I want to remind all of our listeners that you can listen to all the episodes of this show if you subscribe to our podcast at iTunes. You can also find us on Stitcher, TuneIn, and Google Play. Remember, if you or someone you know would like to be a guest on this podcast, just reach out to us using that contact link on our website. Just make sure you have some skin in the game, though, prior to reaching out. And by skin in the game, you certainly need to have a few credits under your belt. We value that for credibility. Also, I want to encourage you to follow us on Twitter at Cinema After Dark for the latest show updates. I want to remind everyone listening that this is an information and discussion-based show. I don't censor my guests, and I sure to hell don't censor myself. So please keep in mind that the views and opinions expressed on this podcast may not reflect the views and opinions of the hosts. My God, we've got a great, great guest tonight, an actress. My God, she's, she's acting. She's doing so many different things, actually. By the name of Burgundy Trejo Phoenix. And let me tell you a little bit about Miss Burgundy Trejo Phoenix. Actress Burgundy Trejo Phoenix is working on several independent feature films that are slated to begin production in the summer of 2017. She has produced two short films for the 48-hour film festival and is working towards producing her first feature film. Burgundy is often described as fun, upbeat, and positive, and you will certainly see that in this episode. She has an endless amount of energy and is working very hard towards becoming a household name on primetime television, as well as book her first major motion picture. She has extensive training at UCB, Leslie Kahn, Stella Adler, and the Laura Henry Studio, and is currently enrolled in an ongoing class at the Stuart Rogers Studio. Burgundy is currently the national spokesperson for talentboom.com, and a writer-slash-blogger for entertainmentworld.us. 
You're certainly in for a treat here. This is part one of a rather lengthy discussion with Burgundy, and I look forward to sharing part two with you at a later time, but this is part one of our discussion, and gosh, first-time listeners and long-time listeners, make that fresh batch of popcorn, sit back, relax, and get comfortable while you listen to part one of our discussion. My goodness, have we got a treat here for our listeners. And I'm kind of worn out already here because there's there's some tension here. I, I feel like there's some creative tension because I feel like there was like, and I'm going to get myself in trouble for saying this because I feel like there was just a bunch of creative foreplay <laughs> that's just kind of been taking place over the last few weeks or whatever. And now I'm in like full-blown creative orgasmic mode right now. I mean... I just have been dying to get you on this podcast because I think all the awesome stuff that you're doing is fantastic. And let me first, you know, calm myself down here and say it is a pleasure to have you here, Miss Burgundy Trejo Phoenix. It is really an honor to have you on, you know, the podcast here. And uh, I appreciate you, you hanging out with us tonight. Thanks for having me. Wow, that was like the best and creepiest introduction I've ever done. <laughs> That's how I am. I like to creep them out. Okay with it. I like. Oh I, I'm okay with it. It's, oh, I'm excited to to be on. Thank you so much for having me. I've I've been a fan of Cinema After Dark for a really mm. really long while. So it's oh. really cool to actually be on. No good stuff. Yes. My yeah. God. Well, we've got a lot to talk about, and I definitely promise to creep you out a bit more here as we. Uh... <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I am ready. <laughs> I love that, but I really appreciate you coming on this program. And gosh, I think our listeners are in for a treat. I was saying this off air. I was like, you know, you really are somebody that's wired differently. And I can tell something that it's hard to explain, but there are certain individuals that I feel who have a, a certain it factor about them or a good energy about them and, and that are just workaholics. And <laughs> I, I always see you doing something or tweeting something or posting something or you're involved in something. It reminds me a lot of myself. So maybe yeah. it's, maybe it's just that creative air or whatever that we're breathing in or it's it's very bizarre but i just think that you know it's really cool to have you on the show because i think you're somebody who's really really passionate about what she's doing and really doing some cool stuff yeah yeah thank you i i love that you said i'm wired differently because when you said that i was like wow that's a really cool perspective because i think for myself and for people that are really high energy that's one thing that i can say is that i really just want to constantly be learning and growing and, you know, being around people that are way more successful than I am and picking right. their brains and just finding out what works and what doesn't work. And so I really have learned sort of the hard way to keep myself busy, but now in a creative way, instead of in a, I'm going to go crazy and, oh my gosh, I'm spending all this time and energy and I'm so busy. It's like, mm -hmm. okay, wait, I'm not really that busy. I'm just, I'm spending all of my time and energy on this when I could just be focusing more and being more specific about what I really want to do and the goals that I have. And then that's where I'm at right now is like learning structure again and, you know, nice. scheduling and organization and, you right. know, keeping like a planner and things. So that's really cool that you say that. So. Oh yeah. Cool. Thank Good. <laughs> yeah, one of the things you said there, key word, I think focus, there's a lot to that word. It's such a, you know, it's, it's such a, small word but it's so powerful it's it's got a big meaning to it and i think that yeah you can tell you're 
really focused and ready to do some damage. Yeah. It, you know what? <laughs> I am ready to do some damage. I, I like that. I, you know, yeah, I definitely feel very, very focused. It's been a work in progress for me as it is, I'm sure with any artist, especially. I used to be very scattered and I have would have all of these ideas and be like, okay, I'm going to work on this and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And then by the time the end of the day happened, it's like nothing had gotten done, but I was just a big ball of stress and I was right. totally feeling unaccomplished and not productive. And like I was failing at everything I was doing. And, you know, it took a lot of, a lot of self-awareness and self like taking responsibility for my own actions and stopping myself from, you know, thinking like a victim and feeling sorry for myself and being like, no, this is, this is actually within your control. Right, right. <laughs> you can yeah. choose to be really successful or you can choose to sit here and feel sorry for yourself and nobody else is going to, you know, do things for you or, or you know, get you where you want to be. You have that ultimate responsibility as an individual. And I was like, oh, man. Uh, that's fascinating. I've been, I've been there. I see. I, I can totally relate to that. It's ah, it's so interesting because actually we're going to come back to this because there's, okay. there's some things that I want to talk about in yeah. regards to that, because maybe that's something that all creatives go through at certain points of their lives. I feel like our minds are like, at least like for me, my mind's always in overdrive. It's hard to yeah. tame it down sometimes. And me too. Yeah. See, <laughs> we'll come back to that because I'm yeah. curious about, about that, but Let's give our listeners some context because I'd love to share your backstory and you know, where you were born and raised and really how you got started in this whole crazy film, television, commercial, entertainment industry. Yeah. So I originally am from Tucson, Arizona and go Wildcats. <laughs> I thought you were going to say that's funny. And you know, what's really funny. It's like, I'm totally not a sports person. I said that because I know my parents are listening and I know that they wanted me to say that. <laughs> <laughs> nice. By the way, shout out to your folks. That's cool. Then. Hey, mom and dad. I know they're, nice. they're honestly the biggest cheerleaders in my life. Fantastic. <laughs> and uh, along with a very select few others. But yeah, I'm originally from, from Tucson, Arizona. I was born there, moved around a little bit and, but ended up ultimately back in Tucson. And I have always, I mean, from a very young age, wanted to perform. I grew up in a pretty strict household where my parents didn't allow us to watch anything that wasn't G-rated. So I grew right. up on a lot of like Disney and like all old classic film. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, literally, I was watching like, you know, Black Beauty and yeah. in the rain. And I thought that you know, Audrey Hepburn and I and Elizabeth Taylor were all going to be in a film together. And so <laughs> as you can imagine my dismay when I was like 14, I wasn't even, you know, really young. My mom was like, oh, they died before you were born. I was like, yes. what are you not Elizabeth Taylor at that time? But, <laughs> but Audrey Hepburn, I was like, what do you mean? Yeah, yeah. It was really, it was like telling a kid about Santa Claus. Right. It was really heartbreaking. Right. So that's cool. Um, though. It's cool that your mother, like, but also watched, those films and because they were fantastic actresses oh, like oh my there's god no drama, like yeah. classics and i mean really honestly i still i still constantly watch. i mean i i you know i was also i grew up dancing so from the age of like two and a half i was dancing tap ballet jazz yeah. and i did a little bit of gymnastics but specifically you know growing up watching old classic things like that and seeing shirley temple right mm -hmm. and 
really just like sitting in front of the TV and, you know, watching opera on channel six and watching right. mm-hmm. all these things that I just, I just soaked it in. And that's all I wanted to do. It's all I ever did. I put on shows and, you know, little things with my little brother. I would boss him around and tell him what he needed to do <laughs> and we'd do shows together. And, you know, yeah. I would always performances and then I was started singing at about the age of five. And so really dancing and singing were my first, you know, introduction to the life of the arts. But wow. by the way, were you into uh, Bridget Bardot? I was, I was, but not as much as I want to say I was like Debbie Reynolds. Ah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> like it was so my parents were still Bridget Bardot was was the very sassy mm-hmm you know, beautiful sex pot. And my mom wanted to keep it very clean. <laughs> ah, I see. <laughs> so I could, you know, she's going to get me for the intro, by the way. Then, she, oh my. She's fine. She knows me. She knows better. She knows that <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm a classy lady. Don't get me wrong. But, and I grew up with very good morals, but she knows, I mean, if I had a dollar for every time that she was just like, oh my God, can you not talk about that? So don't worry about it. We'll be fine. <laughs> oh, love that. But yeah, so so we really didn't have a whole lot of opportunity to do acting in Tucson, you know. Mm-hmm. So I decided one day a few years ago that I was going to, I came out here to look at a few acting schools. The job I was working at, I the company was closing mm-hmm. and my boss called me into the office and said, I need to talk to you about your next job. And I was like, what are you talking about? The company's closing. Do you have another job for me? And he literally sat me down and the Chirpin brothers, if you're listening, Jeff, thank you for this. <laughs> he basically wow. told me, get the hell out of here now. Wow. Are young, you are beautiful, you are talented. Do not sit in this town any longer and not get your chance and go out there and pursue what you want to do. I know you want to live in LA. And I was like, well, I maybe I maybe have mentioned it one time, but it really meant a lot to me that he remembered that small bit. And when this company was closing said, go. And so I listened and I went and I came here to observe, you know, what was going on and and a school. I was out here for a week and I decided within that week, I was going to go back, sell everything I owned. And within a month I was back out here. Wow. That's fantastic. That's one of those classic uh, stories there. What made you think you could do it professionally, though? You know, like really dive in. Were you just crazy like that? Were you just wired that way? I think wired that way. And I was just, first of all, let me be very frank for anybody that's listening that is just like, oh, my God, I'm totally going to do what I've been saying I'm going to do. A, yes, do it. But understand, you have no idea what you're doing. I had no idea what I was getting into and all of the work it really involved. I mean, growing up in ballet and being a trained singer, you understand that there's a lot of work involved in those things. But with acting, it's like it's that same work ethic, but the training is is different. It's, you know, dancing was physical. Singing was vocal. Mm. Act is all of it encompassed in like a physical body meets like a vocal training meets like the imagination meets. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's like a person. And I didn't at all think it was going to be what it was when I came out here, like bright eyed and bushy tailed with everything in my, I owned in my little Pontiac Grand Am. I was like, <laughs> I am ready. I am going to move out here and I'm going to do it. And uh, I, wow. Yeah. I, 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 that you know I fell flat on my face because I'm very thankful to have great parents and you know people out here that were willing to say hey listen you came out here and you're crazy 
for doing it as quickly <laughs> as you did with no plan whatsoever. And I'm a planner. So that was a huge step out of my comfort zone for me. Mm. And I ended up landing a job very quickly, just, you know, doing some phone work because I had office experience mm-hmm. and I was the only girl who could literally pick up a nine to 10 line switchboard oh, and right. answer phone. Cause I did it in Arizona. So yeah. They were like, how old are you to be able to do this stuff? I'm like, I worked with a lot of old people. (laughs) (laughs) We had to answer multiple line switchboards. And so that luckily paid me really well so that I could spend the money on training Mm. and spend the money on, you know, headshots and all of the things that. The business stuff. Yeah. Interesting. So that that was really my, that was my start. I just kind of dove in headfirst into a pool with like a puddle of water <laughs> my goodness did you have any friends out here by any chance or anybody that uh sort of could give you a hand or at least you know you could talk to i knew two people one still lives out here and he's a director and uh he helped me a lot when i first moved out here to just really be realistic mm-hmm. and introduce me to a couple people that were like look this is what you need to do you need to get an imdb pro page you need to get you know the all of these things that actors needed that I would have no clue about. Oh, I see. Right. He helped with that and and really taking me under his wing and and saying, hey, you need to go get training and and this is what a film set looks like and you know just all of these really great things. And then I knew I had met uh, Carlos actually out here and he I met through a, somebody else that was a for it's a former friend mm. and you know I didn't even know this guy and. He took me under his wing in the sense of going, hey, listen, I think that it's great what you're doing. I think it's crazy. I can't believe you decided to come out here and give up everything and everyone and just sell everything you owned. But okay, you're going to do this is what you need to do. Here's the classes I recommend. Here's the coaches I would work with. Here's headshot photographer I would work with. And here's where you need to start looking at, you know, focusing your energy on. And I was just like, without that little bit of advice, Mm -hmm. I think I would have been even more lost than I was when I came out here, but it gave me a really good foundation. And the coaches like Laura Henry, thank God for her. I mean, that, and over the years of being here, I've really discovered a, who I am through the training and just through being here and, and not giving myself the option of, well, I'm going to try this for this long. And if it doesn't work, I'm going home. It's like, I'm in this for the long haul. I'm in this for the idea of, you know, if I'm 50 and that's the first time I get to go up there and give an Oscar speech, that's, that's it for me. I mean, I I don't care about the, the result of that. I, I want to, you know, do this for the rest of my life. Right. And, there's no plan B, right? You, it's oh, only plan A. No, there's not even, yeah. I, I mean, right. there's, this is it, you know, and, and I think with that mentality and being around the people that I've been very fortunate to have, you know, met and been in contact with out here, I don't think you can just come out here and get the, the type of lessons that I got without being very fortunate. Right. Right. You know, right. It's cool I, to I realize remember. that, by the way, I think some yeah. people get, um, kind of jaded. Yeah. And, or, <laughs> you know, it's like get jaded or, uh, maybe lose touch of, themselves lose themselves in the process yeah, i think i did lose a little bit of myself throughout you know i not fully i think there was a point in time where i really had to sit with myself and go okay what are you doing mm-hmm. what, what exactly are you doing and what do you want out of this and it's very easy to get caught up in a lot of the things that i was introduced to from a very 
you know, I, I tell people I did things backwards in right. the way of, in, in a very positive way for me. I, I came out here and I met somebody who was already very, you know, invested in the film industry. And he took me to one of my first carpet events. And I remember the publicist at the time and I having a conversation. And it turns out he played basketball for the Arizona Wildcats. And out of that conversation, he was like, you know what, I want to help you, you know, get into events and go to carpets. And I want to help you build your your brand so we can get you in some films. And this guy really just put me out there, literally, like shoved me out and got my first carpet. <laughs> and I, you know, I think I had a credit on IMDb mm-hmm. at that point in time, or half of one, or it wasn't even up yet or something. And it was, and he was like, it's not, it's, it's about, you know, you going out there and being confident in who you are. And he said, I really believe in you. And, and, and I, I think that when you have that confidence and when you believe in yourself, other people are willing to take chances on you and take risks on you that you never would have thought imaginable. Absolutely. You know? totally and agree. so I've been able to keep up with really great publicists and photographers and go to some really great events. But none of that is my goal in all of this. Yeah. Those are things that I think when people work really, really hard and get to where they're going and, you know, I'm not there yet, but when I get there, I'm so glad that I have that understanding of what all of that is about and how to take that with a grain of salt and how to still remain humble and how to be grounded and first and foremost, to be kind. <laughs> oh, so true. I love that you said that. That's so, so true. It's, it's so, so important. And I think when you're kind, the universe manifests in really positive ways. I really do believe that. I believe yeah. the universe favors towards good more than evil. I really do. I think so too. And don't get me wrong. I mean, we all have our moments oh, to where, you know, we might get moody or cranky or whatever. But I, I, I think the like ultimate goal is being a good person, genuinely a good person and, and not taking advantage of people. And if you realize that you maybe you have without realizing it to acknowledge that and to go, Hey, look, this was not my intention or having that person say that to you. I remember one time somebody said that to me and it didn't even cross my mind how much I was being taken advantage of by this person for what they were asking me to do for film and for all these favors and helping them with social media. And then they came to me and said, I I feel like I haven't really given you the appreciation that you deserve. And I was like, what are you talking? And then I was like, oh my gosh, thank you. That was so, that was really big of you to do that because I had gotten myself in a routine of just accepting all of that and kind of swallowing it and not really, you know, being in a place where I felt like it was okay to say no, because I just wanted to work. I wanted to work. I, I'm hungry. I, I want, yeah. and now it's a little bit different now. It's, you know, I, I want to r- retain a quality to the work that I'm doing rather than have the quantity be the goal. Oh, salute to that too, as well. My God, you're getting the, uh, <laughs> getting me fired up over here. My goodness. <laughs> so let, let's fast forward, you know, several years and let's talk about, mm-hmm some of this manifestation of these chain of events that kind of like a uh, really like a chemical explosion of events. I, I think this stuff doesn't happen in a glass box. There's a lot of things that happen over the years. And how do you typically book jobs? Is there kind of a method to your madness now? Do you have an agent? Do you have a manager? Because I think there's people that listen to this podcast. They're wondering, you know, if I come out to Los Angeles, how can I actually get work? And how do people go about this process? Obviously, you talked about the business side, which I think is ridiculously critical. And I've seen people that are ridiculously business savvy, but maybe aren't mm-hmm. as talented as some that aren't and have better careers. 
uh, as right. So that's critical. But how do you typically make this thing work? Well, I think it's really important that no matter what stage you're in, I do have a manager. My manager is Steve Owens. He is a godsend. And he is not only is, is he a great talent manager, but he's like a Grammy award winning right music producer. And so he just has such a unique perspective on talent and branding. And I've learned so much from him as far as just, you know, being a brand. And and really, that's what it is. It's like, we are all, you know, we're all a brand, we are all product in not a negative way. I know product sounds like we're just some, you know, boxed <laughs> thing. But no, I mean, it really is. It's, it's really, you know, it's, it's, our job is to maintain that and their job is to sell that brand. But we first have to know what that is and there has to be a meeting of the minds. And so I'm very fortunate to have him and I do have an agent as well. And I would say that the majority of my work though, especially over the years, I mean, I wasn't represented theatrically until recently ever. Mm, Mm. And I didn't have a manager for very long when I did have them. I always maintained really good relationship with a manager or two that I had in the past. And it was just that, you know, I wasn't at the place where I was available to do as many auditions as they were just amazingly sending me out on. And so I did not want their, Mm -hmm. you know, them to be affected by it. And I knew that sometimes the work that they were sending me out to do, it was like, you know, I'm not interested in playing naked girl number three on a slab on Dexter or any of this. (laughs) I just have, I have no judgment against that for anyone. I just personally, you know, you didn't want to be naked on a slab. I just didn't want to be referred to as naked slab girl number three. Um, (laughs) You know, I, (laughs) I just think there's, there's, there's a lot more to an actress specifically, especially when it comes to women. And I don't like the idea that there is so much involved with this, you know, over-sexualized idea that that's how you have to start. And so Mm. I think I really, you know, and now I'm not saying I wouldn't do anything nude. I wouldn't do it just, it would have to be the right part. And I mean, like I'm, I'm a huge fan of Lars von Tears and, and you know, Mm -hmm. things like that. And so I think with those type of, of really dark. Well, I think what you're saying is substance. You're really looking for substance. I mean, you don't want to be naked and be standing there like a card. You want there to be substance behind (laughs) it, a story. Yeah, definitely. You know, thank you. Yes, that's exactly That's exactly what I'm saying. So, uh, you know, I tend to get most of my work, getting back to that, just by networking with people and submitting myself every day. Absolutely. I submit myself on every casting site that I'm able to submit myself onto. And I go on each site and I read through each role. I don't just you know, hit submit on a bunch of things. I really read the character. I look up the casting directors. I look up the director. I, you know, I look and see what type of a thing it's doing. And a lot of people are like, oh, so, you know, is it how much money are you able to make? I've had that question from so many people. When you first moved out there, how much money were you able to make? It's like, well, I did a lot of free work when I came out here for a very long time. Mm -hmm. And I would still, you know, I'm a SAG actress, so I can't really do that now. But mm-hmm. I would still, it's not about the the rate per se. It's, you know, I would love to be part of something that is going to be in, you know, film festivals and, and goes around and ha- especially if it's, it has a really great message and it has really great content. Right. By the way, so, so you approach, you approach your career, not like tender. You're not swiping right and just applying. No, you, no. You actually yeah. read the profile. So if this was a, a dating site, you would actually read 
the profiles. I would read everything. I'm like an investigative <laughs> journalist. Um, uh, yeah, but that's, I, that's, I think that's a very smart, intelligent way. It's actually a very mature way, I think, to handle your career. Yeah, because there's a lot of times where you go and you look at these projects and you've had somebody approach you like I've been fortunate enough to get people to email me directly and say, hey, you're a friend of a friend. They recommended you. Who do we need to contact? And I'll give them my manager's information. They contact my manager and I get copied in and I see the conf- you know conversations going back and forth. And and sometimes it's really, really great. And you know, sometimes it's it's just not something that my manager, you know, my manager will never say, no, you cannot do that. And that's what I love about him. Right. But he will say, you know, I would think about this because this is not really going along with your brand for that per se. You know, mm-hmm. I've branded myself through those casting sites and through networking and, and finding people in alternate ways, even on Facebook or Twitter. Yep. I've gotten a lot of, uh, great advice and built a lot of relationships with people on social media. Right, right. Casting directors and, you know, people that I've maybe been in the room with once, but I've been friends with them on Twitter or Instagram for, you know, a couple of years and we like each other's things and they know what we're up to. It's kind of like what you said. It's like, I follow you on Twitter. We followed each other for a while on Twitter and and on other platforms, but we've never spoken. Right. Mm -hmm. But we know what we stand for. We know the type of work that we do. We know that we're very like-minded individuals that are working towards a common goal. So I just think that social media plays a huge part in building relationships. Yeah. And and those relationships are the most important thing to getting work eventually. And when I say eventually, it's because I sometimes I've spent years building relationships with, with these casting directors, not because I expect them to ever call me into a room. And the majority of them that are commercial casting, maybe I've been in the room once or twice and right. you know, they know what where my talent lies. They know what I'm capable of doing and they'll call me and, you know, we'll send messages back and forth. But really, it's about building those relationships, getting strong credits, building up your credits and having a reel that is something that is professional and that the, you know, the quality of it is, is really great. And the cinematography looks really, it doesn't look like it was shot with, you know, a out of date Samsung or something, you know? Mm -hmm. So all of those things, it's, that's, I think how I get my work and get my jobs is up until this point has been really just building relationships and networking. And then Especially recently, I've been fortunate enough to have general meetings with casting directors and talk to them on a different level than I've really met with them before and meet higher level casting. And it's, you know, but it's come from this like sowing of the seeds of what do I need to do to get my headshots up to date? What do I need to do to, to make my presence known on social media and not just be about, oh, this is me and I'm an actress, actress, actress. It's like I put things on there about my life and how obsessed I am with my dog. And, you know, Carlos said he's an actor and, you know, all of these things are encompassed in my social media, not because I'm an open book and I want people to know my business, but because I truly believe that the way that I have been successful thus far and will be extremely successful is by just really being myself and finally, finally being comfortable with that. Right. I love that. My goodness, I'm glad you shared that. You had me glued to my seat here because I knew you were going to come with it. (laughs) I think this relationship building aspect of this business is so, so critical. And it's Mm -hmm. nice when I have somebody on the show who can talk about that and articulate what that process is like. I think that's really, really critical. It's just ridiculously valuable. You can create the type of career you want 
I don't think people really understand that or they yes. may think that it manifests on its own. You've got to work, 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 work. Absolutely. I totally agree. I mean, it is possible. You can create the career you want and it takes a lot of trial and error and a lot of patience, which I mm, didn't right. used to see myself as being a patient person. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so impatient. I'm so impatient. But I wasn't. I was just, again, spinning my wheels and doing things that weren't really as productive as now I'm starting to figure out like, oh, yep. this is much, you know, much more productive for me if I, if I start to do this on a daily basis or on a weekly basis. And again, just trying certain things that work out and being able to really get some feedback that's not sugarcoated. Right. I mean, this mm -hmm. industry has, you know, ballet, first of all, taught me tough love. You know, you have yeah. a teacher that's constantly telling you that you're not, you're not good enough. Your feet aren't good enough. Your turnout's not good enough. You're not skinny enough. And you grow up with that mentality. And mm -hmm. There's a certain part of you that, you know, starts to be hypercritical and be really, really hard on yourself, as most artists already are. Right. <laughs> but ballet. Yeah. I mean, we Jeez. all we all can empathize with that. Mm -hmm. But ballet really laid the foundation for me to understand how difficult this city and this industry really, really is if you aren't prepared. And by prepared, that could be something as little as getting the proper rest before your big audition, right? Mm -hmm. making sure that if they told you to bring two copies of your headshot for whatever reason that you read it and you bring two copies of your, mm, I mean, yeah. preparation and trial and error and, and really just diving headfirst is how I think people really need to consider that that's how it's going to be before they decide that they're going to come here and become quote famous. Oh, quote. I totally agree. Absolutely. So, you so know. True. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now I want to ask you something here about some of the things, or maybe, maybe you could share one, something that you've learned that you didn't know, but you know, you've kind of learned over the years about this crazy oh, industry. Yeah. Is there anything that sticks <laughs> out? It's like, maybe on the tip of your tongue that you would sh like to share? I would say the number one thing that I have learned is that you cannot take rejection personally. Right, right. You can't, you can't, whether the rejection is, is from somebody that you've worked with on a set that ends up not liking you for whatever reason, or maybe you don't like them for whatever reason. It's mm -hmm. okay. We're not all going to be friends, you know, mm -hmm. but it's really important to not take rejection personally and to also realize, I think that being able to be a professional without being labeled as being ingenuine or fake, mm, right? Mm -hmm. you know, cause we're not going to always get to work with who we want to work with. That's just the truth. True. Right. And mm -hmm. being able to still be genuine and lovely and professional on a set or in a meeting or at an event regardless of what you personally think about that person, I would say is the other thing. And the last thing I would say, I know you said one thing, but these three things are really <laughs> strong for me is that it's really important that you, like I said earlier, that you're kind, mm, yeah. but oh, now I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> I forgot my train of thought. Maybe it wasn't as important as I thought it was. I must end to be kind and then nothing. It's um, <laughs> a creative yeah. mind. So well, if, if it comes back, you know, that's so funny that uh, <laughs> that's a creative like, mind. Wait, 
don't remember. <laughs> you set it up too. I have to say, I mean, you set I it up. Totally set it up. It was so. It was so. I was so ready. But see, that's uh, the thing that happens sometimes. It's yeah. like it's just it's never how you plan it. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, the build up and then crickets. I know. Jeez. Oh, Welcome my to my life. <laughs> if you do happen to remember that, we'll certainly um, love to hear yeah. that. Switching gears here, is there a character or a role that you've been kind of dying to play? So, like, you know, we've got casting directors, we've got filmmakers, all different types of folks out there, the, you know, producers, folks that could put you in that kind of role. What would that role be right now? Like, is there something that you've been dying to do? I definitely have been dying to play the like the badass heroine, the femme fatale, the the girl who's the, um, not the heroine in the idea of like, she comes in and she saves the day. I mean, mm-hmm. I, first of all, I am a huge fan of Jessica Jones oh, yeah. on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I love Christian Ritter and yeah. I, I love, I'm, I really aspire to, you know, be in those types of roles because I think when- You have similar when looks. People, to yeah, you Somebody, thank you. Somebody said it the other day and I was like, oh, I never would have. Okay, thanks. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's great. But but that really, you know, that really strong female energy that is, uh, she's she's very, I don't know, I would say dominant in a certain way, but but more so she's she's just really powerful because of how smart she is, but more so how much she cares about why she does what she does. Oh, yeah, so true. You Good know, point. each of those characters and those women have some sort of a reason Mm -hmm. that they do what they do even if they're technically the bad girl in the scenario the one who you know kills her husband or the one who you know murders a child god forbid it's like but all of those really you know layers yeah those very layered characters whether they're wicked women or they're you know they're sort of like action hero type women Mm -hmm. i love what Gal Gadot is doing with with the Wonder uh, Woman? I'm a good. huge fan. So what? Yeah, what would you be? So what? You know, ideal role? Where would you want to? You know, you know, you know. It's so funny. The first thing that comes to my mind. I'm curious. <laughs> the first thing that comes to my mind is Cleopatra. Oh, cool! I could see that because I. Uh, it's wow. It's one one of the first films that I saw as a little girl mm-hmm. that a as a little girl i was like n- i could not even fathom what the heck was going on i mean i understood it but like it was just so much more i understood it way more as i got older yeah. but yeah i would say hmm. i would love to play clue but that was the first cool. thing that came to my mind and i was thinking okay i'm gonna be more modern but she kept <laughs> popping up it was like she was like listen yeah speak your mind that's what you want to play say it <laughs> cool cool now i'm glad you, you shared that so you got yeah. a bad naughty girl a shy girl next door and a nerdy geek which role are you auditioning for again it's a bad naughty girl you got a shy girl next door kind of character and you've got the nerdy geeky i would definitely be the bad naughty girl ah good stuff yeah, yeah why yeah. More you material. know I- it's more material there's more it's more to play with it's more you know i i think that there's like you were saying earlier about layers like there's definitely layers to those types of characters not that there's not layers to the nerdy girl or the shy girl next door Mm -hmm. there's layers to all characters but those really when i've especially when i've taken classes and when i've when i've been able to really play around with with material that is more of the darker wicked bad it's something that you know i think 
is really fun. Like it, it, I get so engrossed in it and so involved in it that that's when it doesn't feel like it's work. I mean, acting doesn't ever feel like work to me, even though it's so much work. It's so much fun more than anything. Yeah. The the bad roles, the the villainous roles, the girl who is even if it's the the bad girl who's going for a higher purpose. Mm, right. Mm. You know, it doesn't always have to be a bad girl who's robbing banks. You know right. what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. But Depth, I definitely but, but a little bit of a little bad girl, a little edge to it. Edgy, definitely like feisty, edgy. Mm-hmm. You know, the feisty, edgy like femme fatale type rules or, you know, ooh, it gets me all excited and makes me squint my eyes and, nice. and yeah. you know, get there's, there's a lot of physical gestures and physical body things that also get involved with those, I think type of well, yeah, with any so character, but, but more so with those type of roles. Right. And also I think we've seen the others so much before that so frequently do we see the shy or whatever. Personally, I'm drawn to darker edgier material too. So I can, and I think people are too as well. I don't know what it is, but there is something a little bit more, but for certain people are wired that way. I can't say all people because some people aren't, but I know that, you know, I think a lot of creative minds are certainly uh, kind of, uh, I don't know, attracted to that kind of material. Mm -hmm. I really do. Especially yeah, it's layered. something in the psyche. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think it's just it gives you so much to really play around with when it comes to like the psychology of that character and what's happening. And, y- you know, you get to create this this backstory if it's not already given to you to play around with even more. That is, you know, you can go really deep with yeah. those roles. Sometimes maybe a little too deep. Maybe it's my own form of like, you know, ballet punishment coming back out. It's like (laughs) harder, darker, (laughs) you know, deeper. But it's, you know, it's definitely something I, I love. I think one time somebody asked me, what is the one if you had to pick a female Oscar winner that you would aspire to play a role, who would you choose? And I said, the first person that came to my mind was Charlize Theron and Monster. Yeah, nice. Cool. Because to me, somebody that can transform in that way and tell somebody's story as yeah. twisted as it really is. Yeah. And be so raw with that. Yeah. That's that's where I'm aiming. Very honest <laughs> storytelling there. Very, very honest. Yeah. Raw. Too, hardcore. I mean, it was hard to watch a lot of the stuff that that woman went through. That's how you know you're doing it right, I think. Oh, yeah. 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 You know, how do you prepare for a role? Can you take us to your preparation process? And yeah. I'm curious to see if you have any, like, is there any techniques that you utilize or anything that you do, superstitions, you know, or <laughs> if you receive this, you know, the sides, the screenplay, you're ready to go. Where do you go from there? I think it, you know, it depends on the role. Yeah. It depends on what type of a thing it is. Like if it's, if it's film or if it's television, but specifically, let's say, you know, if I get a, a role in a film, I get the the sides or even for an audition, let's say, you know, I get the sides and I go over and over and over them, but not specifically to memorize them. I go over and over and over them because I really think that the more you read something, the more secrets you find <laughs> within so mm-hmm. especially really good writing. Yeah. Not all writing, but, you know, with the majority of the writing and the majority of the auditions and things that I've been fortunate enough to get. Yeah, I've really found that the more you read and then, you know, I I go through and I mark down the notes that I need to mark down. I, I go through and, and think about what my point of view is on each person. Let's say for an audition that's on the set of sides and, you know, what would really get me to 
to respond yeah. in that moment. And, and I never memorize my lines the way I'm going to say them. If I, if I see something, it's not like, like, don't go there. It's like, I never, I never <laughs> do that. And I'm so thankful. I had a class with a coach who, who really helped me with that right? and right. really taught us that it's never about the memorization of, of the line being the certain way. It's about living in that moment and being vulnerable and you know, vulnerable enough in that moment to, to listen to the other person and to respond. So I do a lot of that work. And then I always read my lines with Carlos or with a friend who is either an actor or I have a director friend who helps me out a lot. And she will read lines with me just so that I can go over certain things. And I make sure to get on my feet. If it's, it's seen that it's, you know, I'm standing up, I I make sure to really pay attention to those things or make choices to, you know, if it says that she's in a courtroom being questioned, I'm not going to be standing, you know, right. Mm -hmm. I practice the scene, both standing and sitting because they do different things for me physically. Mm, yeah. I did some Alexander work uh, with a really great teacher by the name of Julia Calder in Santa Monica. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And although I haven't, you know, gone to her, her frequently in the last, you know, year or so, a lot of her technique is just about, you know, the breath is so important. And the, as one thing that's been really hard for me, that was very difficult, especially moving here, was understanding the process of preparing for something and then realizing I've been holding my breath for a really long time <laughs> and being like, oh, that's why I couldn't respond to what they were saying or feel what the heck was coming off of him because yeah. I was legitimately holding my breath for the entire thing. Right. <laughs> you know, so just remembering to breathe and yeah. and then, you know, if I'm actually filming something it's a lot more involved. It's deeper. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, get my coach and, and hire her to help me with scenes and, and run through it and, and go through and, and brush up on, you know, taking some Alexander directly with her before shooting and right. mm-hmm. just making sure that I'm really taking some time to sit down. And even if it's five minutes of just meditation of sitting there and taking a couple of breaths before I, yeah, so I have to go. Set. But yeah, yeah it's, it's, yeah. It's that going through the process of highlighting everything and making my notes and having the script and having it sectioned out and making it so that I am ready, but I'm also flexible because you never know what's going to happen when you get there. Right. A lot of times you meet the actors until the day of, mm-hmm. you know, there aren't necessarily a ton of rehearsal times unless the director wants to have rehearsals and then you have to be prepared to all the work that you've done with your coach or whatever. And the director says, I love that, but I want you to try it this way. That's going to shift the things you've been working on. So it's just giving yourself that room to be okay with being flexible. You know, at first I didn't, didn't really understand that when I first moved here. It was like, yeah. but I've done it this way. And <laughs> yeah, it's complicated. You liked it. You yeah, know? yeah. It's it's complicated because you kind of have to be open to craft it spontaneously as well. But you certainly still want to have the tools so that you can do that and you can really live in that moment. So totally. it's a complicated process that uh, isn't easy, especially I think in independent film like you said sometimes you don't have those rehearsal times you hopefully have good communication with the director and different things like that but sometimes you don't have that other body to feed off of too as well so it is yeah uh, yeah you don't have all the time in the world either you know you may have like eight hours or 12 hours or 
14 hours to shoot several pages of work. So, right. It's, uh, yeah. And especially with auditions, it's like, you know, sometimes you'll get the audition just the night before at like nine, 10 o'clock at night and your auditions at 10 AM. And, right. you know, there's the one thing you, you don't want to beat a dead horse, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. you definitely don't want to beat any horses. Cause I love animals, but <laughs> like I'm kidding. Like you don't want to, to, to go over it so much to where you're, then you're over analyzing and second guessing. And trust me, I have been there and done that more times than I am really okay with admitting, Yeah, right, you know, right. but it's just sort of finding that middle point of practice, not making perfect. But my mentor says practice makes, how did she put it the other day? She said, practice doesn't make it perfect, but practice makes it permanent. Mm, I like that. Hmm. And it was a really cool way of thinking about that because it's not that that you're aiming to be a perfectionist or me, I was, but uh, (laughs) that's because of ballet. (laughs) I blame everything on ballet. Um, (laughs) But it's it's realizing that, you know, you can perfect your craft only to a certain degree, but it's really about making those things permanent so that you have the tools to draw upon, whether Mm, it's you know, Meisner or, or Stella Adler or Chekhov or, you know, and I've been very fortunate to be able to do all of those different techniques. And right. each one of them I use in everything that I do. Mm, yeah, yeah. My auditions, my, my filming, like every one of those techniques has taught me something different to bring to how I prepare for something or how, what I walk into a room with or what I walk onto set with. So I just think there's never a time to be like, okay, I have enough tools now. Mm, right. I'm not gonna, mm-hmm. I don't need to learn anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's constant. Okay. Curious about that. Now, I want to switch gears here a bit, and I know we've gone uh, a bit over, but God, there's so much to discuss, so I hope you can hang out a little longer, right, Can you? Yeah, no, I'm totally fine. Okay, good. I'm definitely got to yeah, give you I a break it. because you've been so kind and so generous here. Now, you recently wrote an article titled Net Work, you know, emphasis on the work. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> on entertainmentworld.us. And gosh, I'm uh, I'm curious because you talked about the importance of doing your due diligence, you know, when you're networking. It's a really mm-hmm. good article. You shared some like funny stuff, but uh, also a pretty unfortunate story as well. Yeah. And you revealed a little bit about yourself in there too, as well as kind of a vulnerable kind of uh, article there to read. Mm-hmm. Would you mind? sharing that story briefly and why it's important to be prepared because there's some things that you said in there that really resonated with me and i think Mm -hmm. that will help folks that um you know maybe not make or have some of the same misfortunes because i don't know if i like calling things mistakes i kind of almost like misfortunes or mishaps a little more it's kind of i think they're all learning lessons yeah learning lessons yeah just all a little bit of growth Right, right. <laughs> a lot of times it sucks, right. but it's it has to, you know it's it's necessary. No, I would I would love to. And I'll give you a quick version because I need talked a bit because you had a friend who talked to another individual and you kind of were there. Then there was a conversation and uh, the conversation didn't quite go as intended because of the lack of preparation one of the individuals had going into that conversation. Yeah. So basically, we can make a long story short, but they can also check it out. If yeah. they want to read yeah, we'll it, but it, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I love to to observe. I love to be a fly on a wall. I love to go to meetings and and really listen in and just hear uh, what is happening in these meetings. And so a friend of a friend actually had asked if another friend of mine could take a meeting with her because she had just written this really great screenplay. And it actually was really great. I mean, I read it and it was really smartly written and it was funny and it was really relevant. Mm-hmm. to what's going on right now. And so anyways, they took this meeting and 
you know, about five minutes into the meeting, she was so excited about her, her screenplay that she just couldn't stop talking about how excited she was about her screenplay. And then finally, when my friend was able to get a couple of words in, he said, you know, so what are your goals with this? Or, you know, where would you like to see this taken? Or what, you know, who is the cast you have in mind? And because he was recommended to her because he has some connections and financing and things like that for films. So she didn't even answer the question really, other than to ask like, well, I don't know, you know, so what do you do, by the way? Like, I didn't even ask you what you do like do you work in the industry or like do you like and like I am pretty sure and like I said in my article that like my eyes got as big as they could possibly get and my jaw dropped like what did you just say because I just think and it's happened more than once I've been in meetings it's happened more than once where people just aren't prepared to take a meeting like yeah. that without it's like don't you know you, you just take the five seconds right and google the person and say i'm gonna at least find out one or two interesting things about them that i can talk to them about and yeah. be realistic and go hey maybe i didn't get to read your entire seven paragraph bio but i did point out this is where you're from and it's really cool that you've lived in la this long and you know i saw a couple of the films that you did i haven't seen them but like congratulations like those type of things are what help build really great relationships in my experience oh absolutely and it's so funny that no matter how high up the totem pole some of these people are they either just don't care enough because a they have people to do that for them yeah uh, yeah. which i have seen that or b these people just don't think that that's part of their job as a filmmaker Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or as a whatever that is producer director writer i've seen it all just from going and being fortunate enough to sit in on some of these things and it's really helped me realize what i should and should not be doing from that perspective. And that's what I shared in the article as well was like, when I first moved here, you know, I thought that certain things weren't my job either, like showing up on time to auditions and meetings and, you know, being prepared and knowing who they were. And then somebody called me out on my, on my ish, you know what I'm saying? They were like, look, we care about you immensely. And we think you're extremely talented, but your reputation as it stands right now is that you're, you're not reliable. You're not dedicated. You are careless and you're sloppy and we don't want to work with somebody. And I remember like looking at them like, but what do you mean? Like I'm the furthest thing from all of those things. Yeah. But when you take the time to sit there and think about, oh my gosh, wait a second. I showed up five minutes late for this meeting. I didn't return his phone call until three days later. I, I did all of those little things. I wouldn't want to work with a person like that. Right. And so it was a really harsh lesson for me to learn. Yeah you know, really early on, thankfully, that guess what? Like you aren't anyone. Nobody is, nobody has the excuse to not show up and not do their job, whatever that may be. And us as actors or them as filmmakers and this woman in particular as a, as a screenplay writer, her job is to research, in my opinion, who she's going to be taking a meeting with that she's asking her, you know, film to be introduced to his contacts in order to fund her film. It's unbelievable. Absolutely. It it really was. And if I wasn't sitting there and somebody had told me that story, I wouldn't have, I would have been like, really? Yeah. It happens. Witnessed it. I'm like, wow. Yeah. I I think situations like that are so valuable in terms of the lessons that are there to learn. And, uh, Hopefully, you know, they lead to a better experiences in the future because, gosh, 
these types of things happen all the time and it's so unfortunate when you see it happen but it's good to uh be in a situation where growth you know looking at that reflecting on those types of situations and learning from them i think that's what life's all about and i want to say one more thing here before we go to a break here because Mm -hmm. you wrote another article that i really really like too as well and it talked about uh, accentuating the positives you know Mm -hmm. and eliminating the negatives and don't mess with this miss (laughs) in between And and one of the things that I took from that I thought was fantastic was really kind of like the closing statement here before we go to our break here. You said, take care of yourself, focus on loving yourself and live your life to the fullest. You're never alone. You Mm -hmm. are a beautiful human being and you deserve all of the amazing things life has to offer. And remember, you can always help others, but you can't truly help someone else if you can't first take care of yourself. And I think that is a very profound statement. It seems like you have maybe recently rebooted or saw life from a different perspective or something. Definitely. Yeah, it's uh, definitely. Yeah, it's definitely been recent. And yeah, it is one of those things where, you know, being in an actress or being in this industry, no matter what you do in this field, I think that it's all a roller coaster and it has its ups and downs just like anything. Yeah. And I think that so many of us can fall into the self-pity, you know, little hole of, oh my God, I'm never going to be good enough type of thing. And I think what happened for me was not necessarily that, but it was that, again, it was another, you know, stage of my life and career going you know, all of this is within my hands. This is within my control. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. And it goes along with the idea of actually the third thing I was going to say earlier, which goes along with this, is that attitude is everything. And so realizing that I was never alone and realizing that you really can achieve anything. Everybody deserves everything. Yeah. Not one person deserves more things than the other person deserves, in my opinion, you know, not to get so vast, but in this mm-hmm. specific thing that I'm talking about. Everybody has the ability to be their own superhero in their own story. Oh, I love that. You know, and I am living proof of being able to pick myself up time and time again and say to myself, listen, this is just a different phase that you're going through. It doesn't mean it's negative or positive. It's another part of this adventure. So it's going to be okay. And really being able to know that myself, aside from being able to call on, you know, great family and people in my life is really uh, a huge part of, of why I love doing what I do and why I love writing what I write. Because I just, I think that if I was able to have read that when I was first here or when I was doing ballet or doing things where I felt like I was really all alone, Mm, it would have helped me immensely. Oh my, Roger that. Wow. Great, great stuff here. And I think it's time to take a short break here and give you a chance to reset. And are you able to hang out a little longer here, Miss? I'm totally fine. I told you endless energy. I love that. It does not stop. So (laughs) you're going to have to tell me when we're we're out of time. Okay, fantastic. I really appreciate that. And uh, yeah, we'll give our listeners a chance to reset because I want to pick your brain a bit more. I want to talk about some of these projects that you've recently done you know what you have in the you know the pipeline here and the slate for uh 2017 oh goodness so many more goodies here so yeah let's take a short break here folks and then we will come back with more of burgundy trejo 
<laughs> Phoenix after <laughs> this break. Do not go anywhere, folks. Yeah. We will be right back. You are listening to the Cinema After Dark podcast. My name is Max Cole, and I host this show, and hopefully you are feeling inspired. It's been a wonderful time tonight. I want to remind everyone that you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Google Play. Make sure you subscribe to us there. Greatly appreciate that. Obviously, please spread the word about the show. Follow us on Twitter at Cinema After Dark. Again, thank you all for listening, and we will be back with more shortly. And welcome back to the podcast here tonight. Before we wrap, I want to thank our guest tonight, Miss Burgundy Trejo Phoenix. Remember, this is part one of our discussion, and stay tuned for part two. It should drop that here in the next couple of weeks, but thank you so much for tuning in to part one of our discussion here tonight. Looking forward to sharing part two with all of you. Most importantly, I want to thank you all for tuning into this podcast tonight. Obviously, this podcast does not exist without you listening, so please spread the word about this podcast. Show someone how to access us on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play. God, I would greatly 